welcome back to another episode of Hot Off the Hip. My name is Johannes Booth. The purpose of Hot Off the Hip is to connect and inspire young professionals in West Michigan through shared stories and ideas. Today's episode is going to focus on My House Ministries. At My House Ministry, supporting women coming out of trauma and guiding them towards a fresh start and hope-filled life is the mission. Your past should not dictate your future, but it's hard to break the chains of chaos alone. My House Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit faith-based organization that provides safe housing and restorative programs for women breaking free from the chains of abuse, addiction, and chaos. My House Ministries operates three homes in Holland, Michigan. Two homes are designated for single women, and one home is for women with children. Applicants must be 18 years of age, drug-free, and committed to working with My House, the My House Ministry program while living in the home. While the women that come to the ministry need a safe place to live, they're actually seeking support and tools that will help them break the cycle of homelessness. The program consists of one-on-one support from a life skills coordinator who meets this two to three times per week with the resident. These individuals are trained to listen with compassion and assist the resident in setting specific program goals. Goals can be job-related, independent housing, personal skills, and or health-related. The life skills coordinator also provides the resident with access to resources and tools to help her achieve the goals. Residents can stay in the My House Ministry program for up to 18 months as they build a new life foundation that's free from the addictive behavior or the abusive relationships that were so harmful to them and those around them in the past. I'm excited to introduce Heather Rogers today as our guest for the episode. Heather Rogers is the executive director at My House Ministries and has had an unexpected journey from the arts into firsthand dealing with poverty. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, Heather. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me today. So Heather, what has life been like for you as a young professional in West Michigan? It's been unexpected and it's been an unexpected journey being a professional in West Michigan. And West Michigan has really been a place that has provided so many opportunities to grow and do things that I never thought I would be able to do and experience. Um, My career started at the Grand Rapids Symphony and right off the bat, being 24 years old, I was going to Carnegie Hall with the 75th anniversary of the Grand Rapids Symphony. And having the opportunity to plan and fundraise and um, be there and watch our symphony, our hometown symphony do that. Um, Not many people can live in a community like Grand Rapids and still get to do something so big in scale like that. And to go from that to um, being part of the fundraising team at DeVos Children's Hospital, um, that is also one of those things that you say, wow, I can't believe that I live in Grand Rapids. I live in West Michigan, this beautiful place, and also get to make an impact in the community. And so growing up professionally in West Michigan is just a humbling experience And it has also been a true pleasure because I have grown 
into a professional that has been able to enjoy these rare opportunities. And now um, I have probably the most awesome opportunity, and that is being the executive director of my house ministry. And it's also the most humbling of opportunities as well. West Michigan is an incredibly rare gem of a place to live and grow professionally in the types of opportunities it provides professionals. Uh, These grand opportunities that allow you to um, experience things in a um, safe way, but also in a grand way. Um, So West Michigan is a amazing place to grow up as um, as a professional and also allow you to tailor and hone your skills and experience allowing you to be whomever you want to become Um, West Michigan is also very unique in that it prepares uh, individuals to either um, become great and stay or become great move on and go all over the world Mm. or (laughs) become great, go all over the world, come back, and make West Michigan even better than it was before. So um, I, I do think that we are so unique in that way, too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a great point and, and something I wanted to follow up with you. I know a few friends who have been in the arts and have moved away mm-hmm. um, because of uh, they felt there was more opportunity in other particularly bigger cities across the country. Um, how did you tackle that as you were addressing that in, in that in that part of your life? You know, I have met so many artists who got their start here in West Michigan. And um, whether it was musicians or professional dancers who who will still to this day call West Michigan home. Hmm. And um, they they got their start here. They got their training here. West Michigan was the place that is not just home, but it is a breeding ground for professionals. And now they're in New Zealand dancing. Um, They became prima ballerina in New York. Um, Musicians who are now um, concert masters in Utah, conductors in California. Uh, These individuals are making it in the world which is fantastic but they still do call and are proud to call west michigan home yeah uh and i just think that's just so exciting that west michigan we do we we care for people we have um just this unique it factor and and it's not an it factor there's more to it than that because i think that you know, an it factor, you can find that all over the place. But West Michigan has this um, culture of, of loving people and caring for people and investing in people in a way that really says um, you can be and do whatever you want. <laughs> what is your dream? Mm. And go do it. And you can. And I think that's what we see. So is there a particular competitive advantage you see or a particular 
maybe competitive advantage is up. not the greatest way to look at it, but intrinsic trait that growing up in this area kind of imbues in young professionals and perhaps something that would be attractive for other people or or is it uh, you, you you talk about this area as if as in terms of when you grow up here, you have got something special. What what is that? You kind of walked around an it factor. Can you talk into that more? I don't call it's it's not an it factor. Right. There's some, we got to we have to come up with a name for it and then sell it. No. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I call it the fresh coast. The it's fresh coast. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Fresh coast. Um, there is there is something about a mixture of how you, we live here. I think we have this combination of um, the offerings that we have in the community. We have a, a community philosophy in West Michigan, um, this philanthropic philosophy in West Michigan that is so deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, um, I think that is probably one of the cornerstones to it. Philanthropic thinking also can lead to the understanding of or the teaching of gratefulness. And I think having a grateful spirit and understanding the gift of we're going to pour into the community and then the community reaps a harvest of that. That is so dynamic. Mm. Um, When I went to fundraising school many moons ago, uh, I had learned that West Michigan, Grand Rapids, was the third most philanthropic city in the country. And that just stuck with me. I thought, oh, wow, oh, my goodness. That is huge that I live there. Right. Um, and in all of West Michigan really kind of breeds that. You know, when you give of yourself, of your time, of your money, of um, your beliefs, of any of that, then you do reap a harvest of, of any number of things back. And I think that is a cornerstone to what makes us so special here, what makes the opportunity so special here. So um, I do think that is part of our it factor, our fresh coast factor. Hmm. Sorry, fresh coast factor. Amen. Yes. More of that, right? More of that. Yes. <laughs> so when we were... Um, kind of preparing for this, I noticed there's a very kind of an inflection point in your journey. Um, and that kind of happened from Calvin College University as the music events manager mm-hmm. to starting your own business, it <laughs> looks like, and then moving into My House Ministries after that. Mm-hmm. Where was that whole thought process? Was it an intentional move? Okay, let's move on from music? Or was that, how did that happen? And how did you deal with it? You know, I made a decision in my college career that I wanted to be an arts administrator. Uh, When I went to college, there weren't degrees for arts administration, so I made up one of my own. I did business, marketing, and a music degree. I thought that made sense. And I had planned to stay in that, whether I was going to be a a president of an orchestra or work for a school of music, ballet company. I was just going to, I was going to stay in the arts and um, do that for my life. And I loved the positions that I had. I had a great deal of fun with it. Um, but 
I noticed something as I was working in the arts, and it was a problem that the arts were having. With every arts organization I worked at, they had an issue with telling their story in a compelling way. And if I could compare it to, like, dinner, nonprofits like hmm, homelessness or uh, clean water, um, things like that would be meat and potatoes on the plate, okay? You always need dinner, right? Mm -hmm. But the arts were like dessert. So when times were tough or in the middle of a pandemic, for instance, you still have to have dinner, but you could bypass dessert. And the sense in the arts was for a musician or a dancer, for somebody who loves the arts, which I do, we always wanted to convey that the arts is so important. The arts is dinner. You really can't go without it. But for the public, it's really hard to understand how a symphony orchestra performing is, is of equal importance to clean water. You know, those two don't really line up. Right. It's hard, especially in the midst of a pandemic, for instance. So uh, arts is always one of those things, the first to get cut from budgets and things like that. And, and so after um, about 16 years in arts management um, and having lots of consultants come in and, and work with various organizations, I started to, to realize there has to be a better way of conveying the importance of arts to communities because they are important. And how do we do that? And the best way to do it is not during a pandemic, but just in normal everyday life. Arts is really important, but you have to change the way in which you talk about it. So I thought, well, maybe if I became a consultant and helped arts organizations tell their story, Maybe I could help them not have to cut their budgets all the time or save their musicians or save their programming, their education programming. So that's why I started my business well. was to help arts organizations. And after I started it, I began working with other nonprofits and then some for-profit agencies and just began building it from there and let it, it grow. And And then one day I was looking at the want ads just out of curiosity and that's when I saw the position for my house ministry and that was the day that really changed my life so tell me more <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well um hmm. I had my my business was was okay you know I was enjoying it I was enjoying my business um and when I saw this in want ad for an executive director, part-time executive director for my house ministry. Now, I had lived in Holland at that point for about five years at that point, and I had never heard of my house ministry before. But I read about it, what they did, and was immediately captivated by it. Um, here's an organization that helps women and mothers with children by providing safe homes and a restorative program and they help these women who are homeless and poverty abused having um, addiction issues 
And I thought, wow, and they need an executive director. And I know how to do fundraising and marketing, kind of, I think. Let's get, I, I don't know, let's see if my skills match up with what they need. And um, it, it was a good match, and um, I never looked back. And the thing is, is that it has changed me so much. It changed me in a good way. Um, prior to that position, I did not understand poverty, not really. And, you know, homelessness, I knew about the mission and just figured if you were homeless, you lived at the mission, you know. And I don't want to seem like I'm, right. you know, dumb, but I I didn't, you know, I'm, middle class and I did not know that world I didn't um but I learned quick and gained a whole new set of lenses on right here in Holland and Zealand and West Michigan our beautiful West Michigan has a whole group of people that are desperate and are definitely in need and are longing to change their lives. And um, yeah, it's hard. It was hard at first, and and um, but now it's it's what I do. How has or how did your education in the arts and your background change? Mm-hmm. And has it influenced each other both ways or just one way? I'm sure you bring brought a unique perspective with that background. Have you thought much about that? My education was in business and marketing, um, those skills, and my experience working in the arts. I was able to tailor a lot of those experiences, fundraising, those types of mechanical, I, th- I mean, maybe mechanical is not the best word, but um, using that in my current role. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a whole um, language that as a middle-class woman when I speak to one of our residents, when I first started, I really realized that I didn't know how to talk to our residents at first. And it was through training and reading that I realized that I had to learn a different casual register in order to be able to talk in a way, to speak in a way that was respectful and in a way that the residents um, would be able to interact with me and I with them. And that's not, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. I'm saying that in the most respectful way. Um, Because when you're in poverty, being in poverty and being in middle class or being in upper class, you are living in in different worlds. And so I had to learn. I had to learn um, 
what their world was like in order to engage with them in the most respectful manner. It sounds like you might have had a lot of I don't know what to do moments (laughs) or what's happening moments. How did you handle that? Well, I am a woman of faith, and I love my Heavenly Father more Mm. than anything. So uh, in moments of I don't know, what do we do, uh uh-oh, which I had many of and still do, uh, I pray. I start my mornings in prayer um, because I have a team as well, but and I tell my team, um, you know, we – we put on our My House ministry pack, backpack in the morning, and we follow God's lead through the day. We help our women. We empower them as much as we can. And at the end of the day, we take off our pack, and and God watches over them while we sleep because we got to get our sleep. Hmm. Um, I have a great team, a great team of staff, of staff members, life skills coordinators. They meet with our residents two to three times a week. I have a great operations manager, um, our resident care coordinator. That team is essential. We work as a team. None of us work independently on our own. Um, so we rely on the team for those, uh-oh, what happened? I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> and we also have a great network here in West Michigan of partner organizations we rely on to, uh, to call upon. But I'm definitely a um, on my knees, Lord, help me. <laughs> what do we do? Um, kind of a person. So, yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> now, when it comes to making t- t- tough decisions, there is the definitely the perspective of I'm throwing my whole self at this and not acknowledging and bearing too much weight on yourself, perhaps. And the prayer and the faith-based side is, okay, there are things out of my control, and I believe in a sovereign God. However, you still have to take action. What's next? Or do you, you, have you not not, um, come across that? I'm sure you have. What I'm essentially what I'm trying to ask, and I I haven't structured this question out really well. Um, essentially, what I'm trying to ask is: Does the picture all of a sudden become clear after you pray, or do you have additional problem-solving routines that you go through, mm. or is it a faith leap? Um, I'm sure there's a combination. So, what do I do when I really don't know what to do? Well, definitely pray, right? First thing you do is you pray. And we have, so we have three homes in my house ministry. They are, um, it's a transitional housing program. So this is not emergent housing. If a woman needs a roof over her head and food in her belly right this second, um, she would go to the mission. That would be her, her way of going. But if, if she is sick and tired of being sick and tired, and, um, or if she's in, say, a sobriety home, 
Um, and she's working on her sobriety. She's been at the mission for a while, or she's been in any of our other uh, partner organizations, or sometimes we get referrals from church churches. Or mm-hmm. um, Then she comes into transitional housing, which is my house ministry. And we have an 18-month program. Now, in December, um, after a lot of prayer and um, really talking things through with staff and our board and talking to others in the community, I said, okay, this is too short. 18 months is too short. They, we we settle, help them settle chaos. We are able to look at what's going on in their lives. And then we finally start gaining some traction. Um, we get them employed well. They're finally paying off some debt, uh, getting into a good counselor. And just around the time that everything is starting to really get going, the train is finally starting to leave the station. They hit their 18-month mark and they have to leave. Mm. And it's literally like watching a train fall off a cliff. Because rarely did we have a, a – not rarely, but it, it was – it was like, okay, instead of launching them successfully, they would get hit with sticker shock at rental rates around the area. Mm-hmm. And so often they were sent right back to the beginning and back into the mission or back into Harbor House. Or, and we said, this has got to stop. We've got to do something about this. So we added a secondary 18-month program on. So now we are a three-year program with a 18 months in a home and 18 months in what we are hoping to be in an apartment style complex. Now, we don't have an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) I've been praying about an apartment. We need a venue for that second phase. I have my first resident that needs a place to live by April. She will be transitioning from phase one to phase two. So you're asking me about those, uh uh-oh, what now? Uh, 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 uh Uh-huh. And I've been praying about it, but I need an apartment complex (laughs) or something for phase two. Right. And I'm gonna need it soon. I'm down to two months now, right? So what do we do? Well, I've been talking to a lot of people in the community. Um, we got a lot of feelers out. We're doing our part. We're doing the sowing. We're sowing seeds. We're sowing seeds. And that's the call. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. If you're asking about more emergent things, I do take action. Yeah. Yeah. But I always look to the wisdom of others in my presence. As an executive director, I have watched other leaders and the good ones that I have seen always look to the counsel and wisdom of others around them before making calls, um, especially ones that are or could be detrimental to an organization. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Start with faith. Start with work. faith. Yeah, do the work. <laughs> and cover it with faith, too. That's right. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> so this brings us to a good spot. 
where you're talking about, okay, we're building a community or community mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your hopes and dreams for this area yeah. as far as it comes to community. Mm. So my hopes and dreams for West Michigan. You know, I think that West Michigan is such a wonderful place and un unique place. The, th the thing is, West Michigan has everything it needs to, we talk a lot about ending homelessness, ending poverty, but the conversation really needs to be around how do we get to know, understand the unique, incredibly unique individuals that have been lost in the ways of poverty and homelessness. God created every single person on this earth uniquely, and he gave every single person on this earth gifts and talents. Johan, there will never be another you, ever. There never has been somebody like you, and there never will be again. It's the same thing for every woman in our ministry. When women come into our ministry, it always amazes me how little self-dignity and self-worth they have. And yes, they need resources, they need info, they need to know who to call to get on housing lists, and they need to know where to go for food pantries, and, and all that is very important. But what's really important is showing them, number one, that God loves them regardless of anything they've ever done or anything that's ever been done to them, that God created them uniquely, that they are beautiful on the inside and out, that there is a purpose for them on this earth, that their story, whatever it was, does not define them. What they've done has not defined them, that tomorrow it can be a new day for them. Their past does not have to define them. And there are so many people in our community that have pasts and live by their pasts. I've done this. I've done that. This has been done to me, and therefore I'm worthless. I don't have dignity. I'm always going to be this way. And that's heartbreaking. And West Michigan has everything it needs to help those people to set up systems to bring and bridge any individual that wants help, that wants to come out of poverty, and wants to be, to be helped out of those social situations or physical situations, um, we can do it. But it is a community effort, and it's not just throwing money at it. Um, it's, it would really take all of us working together and setting up uh, systems to help. But we could do it, and it would be an amazing thing. That would be my dream.
that would be my dream. What does that look like <clears throat> in a more defined light? Like everybody doing their part or yeah. the systems that would need to be taken seriously? So we have so many incredible church buildings in West Michigan. Amazing church buildings. I mean, they're fantastic. But a church building does nothing for a person in poverty. A community of Christians who say, okay, I am going to live out my faith as a believer. What does that look like? Not just on Sundays. Right. What does that look like? I'm not just going to give an offering. Now, the thing is, is not everybody has the personality or temperament. Not everybody has a home. I get that. And I'm not saying that. Um, there are organizations that are, that are trained to help in this capacity, too. But everybody can learn, at least, understanding what poverty really is. Poverty is not just, I don't have any money. Poverty can be a lack of financial resources, sure. But more likely, poverty is a lack of solid, healthy relationships. Poverty is a lack of um, health care in some way or of good health care. Poverty is going to be a lack of physical well-being. Poverty can be a lack of support for your kids. You think of all of the ways that you don't have to worry about things. If you lost your job today, you could call how many people? If you lost your home today, you could call how many people? Um, Start thinking about all the safeguards you have in place for every aspect of your life. And that's the reason you are not in poverty in some way. Right now, most Americans are suffering from poverty. They're suffering from mental poverty, right? They're talking about, you know, health and mental illnesses on the rise right now. So a lot of people are suffering from poverty, but they don't think about that. It's just mental illness. But when you're in poverty... Um, You have deficiencies in so many areas, um, but it's not just financial. And that's the mistake that a lot of people make. If you're in poverty, you just need money, and we'll just throw money at you, and it'll be fine. So if I had to build a system of what would that look like, um, there are uh, lots of organizations. I would say let's make sure those organizations are working together and better with each other. A lot of smaller nonprofits do great work. But sometimes they get overshadowed or aren't funded well enough to stay afloat, to help. Um, And then I would just have there be a good education piece so we understand Mm. what poverty is. Yeah. um, Poverty is often really inconvenient. And so we don't have to look at it. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. That's huge. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing so much with us today, Heather. If you were to encourage um, other young professionals in the area um, or leave them with a tidbit, what would that be? Well, I would say first, 
get to know your neighbors. That would be my first thing. I remember being a young professional, and I was so busy working and growing professionally that I didn't get to know my neighbors. And you never know who in your neighborhood is in poverty in some way. So I'd say get to know your neighbors. Um, And especially in a time like COVID where we're supposed to be, you know, remaining distant, you don't know who in your neighborhood is really suffering. So I would say that. Get to know your neighbors. Start there. Um, And then I would also say a lot of nonprofits in the area need the support and the advocacy um, and the professionalism of young professionals. And I'm just saying right now, it's going to be dirty. (laughs) It's not pretty. I know a lot of people will say, I'm going to go join a nonprofit that helps those in poverty or homeless. And they kind of get the Mother Teresa thought about it, like, oh, it's going to be kind of glamorous. It's not, but stick with it. Join them, help them, be on their boards. And that's where you can help. And um, it will change you. And if it's anything like me, it will change you for the better. Amen. If a young professional wanted to connect with you at uh, My House Ministries, what would be a good way for them to do that? You can email me at heather at myhouseministry.org. You can visit our website, myhouseministry.org. Yes. And we are looking for board members right now. So we have an advisory board and would love to have some young professionals on. You heard it here first. And don't forget to throw a barbecue or drop off a nice note to your neighbors. This has been another episode of Pop Off the Hip. 